This is Matthew, verse, chapter 7, verses 13 to 29. You can enter God's, God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can, you can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. The joy, the joy, the joy of those who delight in the law of the Lord. Oh, the joy, the joy, the joy of those who meditate day and night in the law. Of those who delight in the law. 
Shall we pray? Father, may the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart and our heart be acceptable to you. We declare Jesus is Lord in this place. Amen. Excuse me for my sniffles. Um, please keep Matthew chapter 7 open because I will ask us to look at some things. When I was 12, I got my first paper round, and that was in 1984. I bought it from a friend, as you did back then, and um, it meant that, I, and it was the evening times, and it meant that I came home from school, delivered the evening times, and I did that six days a week. And then you had to go and collect the, the paper money. They didn't go to the shops and, and, and pay for it. I think people have done recently, yeah, I, that was my job. And then uh, what I started to do with that money was spend on very expensive clothes. And there was a reason for that. I, I wasn't uh, content with just having one paper round. I then managed to buy someone's morning run. And so I was doing uh, the daily record, the sun and all of that sort of stuff in the morning, going to school, uh, coming back for school, uh, then delivering the evening times. <laughs> And, uh, and still going around and collecting all the money uh, during the week and chasing those people who wouldn't pay for months and months and months. And then I also got myself a Sunday run. So every morning I got up and I did the morning papers, then I did the evening papers, and then a Sunday I did the Sunday papers. And if I had to go on holiday, I had to teach someone my run. And by the, my first wage as an apprentice engineer was £66. The week before, when I had three paper runs, I was earning £60 a week. Um, and I was very interested in that because growing up, um, I always wore which I referred to. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, I used to wear what, what I affectionately call Mammy Doesn't Love You clays, 
or I'll slow down and say, mother doesn't love you clothes. Because my mommy, I was the last of six, my mommy and daddy um, were classic, West of Scotland, lifestyle, were fed up with each other by that time, had just about survived having six kids. And my mum was addicted to the bingo. My dad, in a loose term, my dad was addicted to the pub. Um, and I really brought myself up for a lot of that. And so there was not a lot of money left over. I, I since found out that my dad would earn something like £140 a week and give my mum £40 for the whole house and he would drink and gamble the other hundred. It was not a bone of contention for me, because I didn't know that growing up, I just survived. Um, it was a bone of contention for my siblings. But I, I had a great relationship with my parents. I found my dad when I was having his heart attack, uh, and then uh, for 10 years when they were still alive, the love between my mum and dad was unbelievable. They were a couple that came back together again and loved each other. They were inseparable, and it was great, and I had fantastic teenage years with them. They put up a lot with me. But the story is this. I, in those days when I was younger, uh, very young up until about 12, my mum would get provy checks, if anybody might know what those are, the provident. Prudential, and she would pay for a book of provy checks that then she would pay up over a long period of time, and that was to get me clothes. So I would have to go to what every man wants or what every woman wants for clothes. Oh, man. I'm honestly still going through counselling for that. Um, that's why I called them Mammy Didn't Love You Clays. And growing up, it was difficult. So by the age of 12, when I had my first paper on, I was buying myself T-shirts that were £65. That was a lot of money back then. I was buying myself shirts over £100. Because for far too long, I get the rip taken out me. For far too long, I just felt I, I, I didn't fit in when it came to the style and all of that. And growing up in the wee scheme, and maybe it's still the same today, it really it does matter. And, and, and for me, it really did um, matter hugely to me. Because there's a world of difference between something that is real and something that is fake. And what every woman wants or what every man wants or what everyone wants, whatever they were called, and I'm so glad they're not open anymore, they would produce cheap fakes to look like the originals. And it was a difficult, honestly, uh, it was a difficult thing for me growing up. The difference between something that's fake and something that's real. And Jesus approaches that today. We're going through this sermon series because there's so many who are new to the church family who don't come from a church, who come from different streams of the church and who are landing here. And we're kind of just covering stuff that we've covered in sermon series for many, many, many years, even predating me. And so we're just touching on themes. And this week we're touching on the theme of discipleship. We have done the whole sermon series of discipleship through Matthew and looking at how Jesus explores all of that. Um, way back in the day, we, on a Sunday evening, I remember taking us through uh, some Dallas Willard teaching material and renovation of the heart, which is all about discipleship. And uh, so we're really just touching on themes. And today it's the theme of discipleship. And Jesus in this passage talks about two ways to live. Two ways that people live that are actually present within the church. So this isn't outside uh, them and us. This is about us. And there's a choice for us to make in how we live. As Christians, will we be disciples of Jesus Christ? There's a choice. And it isn't automatic 
for some people anyway. So that's what we're going to look at, quite simple. This, Andrew, is it, is it working? Oh, sorry. Oh, that's okay. I think that's my first one, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. Thank you. Is this not working? Ah, it's working. Great. Let's read verse 13 again. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter it, enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. This is possibly the most important verses in this whole passage. Because we may think um, that we want more choices. A lot of our young people grown up in the waters that they swim in have been told that they have the right to have many choices if they want. That is what our young people are growing up in. That is the waters they are swimming in, the cultural waters. And so this idea of just two choices um, may, is, is not familiar to many of our young people growing up. In fact, they can make choices all the time about some things that are set. They are being told that they can change them. Jesus here says there's only two ways. I've had a number of conversations like this as a pastor. And recently, a kind of a, um, this is how I approached it. I got a friend who's going through a very difficult time. And, it's, and the, the language that my friend used was, um, do you know what, I'm at breaking point, I just feel like walking away. And I felt so compelled to say, walk away to What? freedom you're following Jesus you're going through a tough time it is brutal, not denying that but what are you going to walk away to? you walk away to destruction and I asked a friend if I could share that story and I've changed that a wee bit but, but I, 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 because I journey with, with people and many people go through tough, tough times at some point that's the language which I have heard I don't know where I'm at with my faith. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to continue on. And I try and say to him, <laughs> well, I did. I said something like this. Fight with God in this. Don't fight God in this. Fight with God. And I hope you know what I mean by that. Jesus says there is two ways. And, and actually, this is consistent throughout Scripture when God speaks to his people. Look up, and I've just put that there, there's many, but two great passage, passages in Deuteronomy 30 and, and Jeremiah 21 where God presents his people with a choice. And that ultimately is a choice between death and life. Poor Bishop Hooper, the song we just listened to. Oh, the joy, the joy, the joy of those who delight in the way of the Lord of those who delight day and night on the way of the Lord. They're like streams beside a river whose leaves never wither. And how does Psalm 1 finish? Because that's where it is. They're singing Psalm 1 and it finishes off like this. This is when you choose the way of Jesus. Whatever he does prospers. There was a reason why we started with those songs the way we did. There was a reason why we put up Remember the Lord, Remember that He's in Control. 
There's a reason why the reflection and the contemplation was all about bringing life, because we are not in a bubble and there will be many things that we are carrying. There'll be many plates being spun. We'll be trying to juggle lots and lots and lots. Relationships within people. I, I'm, I'm sick to the back teeth now of encountering people who say that they're just having church on YouTube. How simple is it to have church on YouTube? The most difficult thing to do church is to come and walk with people, especially if they rip your knitting. That's where you grow. If you are willing to love them horizontally as you would desire them to love you. Sometimes it means a, a correcting word. Sometimes it means you need to distance yourself from those people. But that is what it means to be the family of God, to be with each other even if it's tough. So I'm, I'm really sick to the back teeth of people saying, no, I do church now on YouTube. What a lot of rubbish. That's not church. Because if you don't like what's being said or you don't like the worship, you flick over or you turn off. Much more difficult here. I hate that song that he's singing. Oh, he never hits that note right. Wow, you need, God knows that harps. God knows that thought. What are you going to do with it? Rough diamonds. We're, we're honing each other. So we've got a binary choice between a life that leads to life or a life that leads to to death and at some point we have chosen the majority of people here have chosen but I would um, plead with you not to think that that choice was once and once only we choose every single day I choose every single day either to race into a work in other words I race into working for God or I choose to race into being with God. Not even Ray. Yes. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even Larry's mobile phones agreeing with me. <laughs> Choices. So the, to choose Jesus' way isn't just once, although it's significant for me. I remember it was age 15. For you guys, it'll be all very different. For some, you're still sitting in the fence. You've got a scalfy bum. You've still not made up your mind about Jesus yet. But you will have to make the choice again and again and again. When a family member is sick, when there seems to be no hope, when a loved one is taken to court and you see the injustice, when your own health is deteriorating and you just don't know what's around the corner, that's the choice to follow Jesus. So we've got a choice all the time. So my question is this, are you still committed to being apprentices to the way of Jesus today? Are you still committed to that? Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ or has your Christianity morphed into something else? In Matthew 7, Jesus is talking to the religious. He's talking to the seeker. He's talking to God's people. He's not talking to the atheist or the agnostic. He's talking to those who are coming and making an effort to sit and to, to listen. So he's talking to us. He's talking to you and me. He brings us into this scenario here. And he warns us in this way, and this is my language, beware of fake Christianity. 
But actually, and we've done sermon series on discipleship based on the Ten Commandments, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been exploring this all the way through the Sermon on the Mount. He's setting up his way. He's challenging people who would follow him. This is what you're going to have to encounter. This is what you're going to have to submit to. And he's been very honest. This is the way of Jesus. And this warning is in our passage as well in verse 13 and 14. Both the paths look good. But, and both lead somewhere. But although they look the same, their destination is very different. The prophets that he speaks about, he talks about two kinds of prophets in verse 15 to 20. Both are teaching truths about God but both have very different results. And he's talking about two houses in verses 24 to 27. Both look the same, but their foundations are very different. One leads to life, one leads to death. One is real and authentic, one is fake. And then Jesus gives us a warning like no others. He gives this warning to those who claim to be followers, disciples of Jesus Christ. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Somber words. Frightening words. Fake Christianity is fake. It's easy. It does not cost. We can change it to fit round with the culture that is most dominant in our life or really fit it around our desires. And Jesus says it's nothing like the real thing. And then there's the other path. Jesus speaks about which is narrow, which is difficult. It's the proverbial road that's been less travelled, and yet it's the way that leads to life. You and I, you and I, our life depends on trusting that Jesus knows best and in knowing him. I'll say that again. Our life, our future, whether we prosper or not, depends on this. I find some of this difficult. I find it difficult how I feel and what that says. But it comes from Jesus. It's spirit-breathed. And therefore, I will trust that he is who he says he is and he does not change. And I will obey by the grace of God. Our life depends on that. Whether we prosper or not depends on that. So don't be blinded by spiritual deception and, and thinking that you're a disciple of Jesus when you're not at all. This is deadly. There is a time as we think about discipleship to honestly, honestly reflect and say, am I living the way that Jesus has commanded me to live? This is the Jesus who came as and squeezed into our skin, as J.P. Phillips says, who lived our life and was without sin, 
who went to the cross obediently, hung there as all insults were flung at him and died on the tree of shame. The same Jesus who, as he says he would, he rose from the grave from the third day. He was seen by hundreds and hundreds and he ascended to the Father, gave the Spirit and then commissioned his followers to go into all the world, make disciples and teaching them to be everything that he has commanded. And this is the same Jesus who will come back and say to some, Away from me, I never knew you, you evildoers. Truth and grace. Not just grace, 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 but the balance of truth and grace. He is the judge, and he will judge the living and the dead. So that's the first point. Here's the second point I want to bring out. Oh, forgot all about that. But it's good. Here's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, and many of you will know this quote, and I've color coordinated it just to show you that these belong together. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Cheap grace is baptism without church discipline. Cheap grace is communion without confession. Cheap grace is absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Cheap grace is grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. Cheap, fake, false, death. Here's a second point I want to bring out just briefly. Jesus gives us a difference between genuine and fake uh, discipleship. He gives us uh, four pictures here. In verses 13 and 14, he gives us two roads, one wide and one narrow. In verses 15 to, to 20, he talks about two types of prophets and two trees. Uh, one sheep and the other wolves and uh, dressed up as sheep, one with good fruit and one with bad fruit. And, and then at the end, he talks about two houses one built in sand and one built in rock. So Jesus gives us plenty of hints so we can spot the difference between which is the discipleship and the way of Jesus and which is not. Verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Because the fake is easy. I've came across many people, actually I come across some people in Pitlochry, not in this church, who says that the Gospel of John could not be trusted as having authority. And I know where they got this idea from. It was from a bunch of scholars who were very progressive and liberal and who had a system of black balls to determine what could be said was the words of Jesus and what couldn't be words of Jesus. So they themselves were acting as God um, over what was scripture, God inspired, God breathed, and not. And a person in Pitlochry says, well, you can't teach from John's gospel because it's been proven that it's not the word of God. Honestly, and that is, there's a whole thing that comes from it. That's easy, 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 because that's us determining what we should listen to and what we shouldn't listen to, what we should believe and what we shouldn't believe. And generally it happens is what is difficult, we say, yeah, that was for another time. Yeah, 
Now, that's not for just now. The, the big gate, the broad road, is gen generally a lot easier. It's convenient, but it's a fake. It's not the way of Jesus. Bonhoeffer says, when Christ calls a man or a woman, he bids him come and die. That's the way of Jesus, come and die. Those who want to save their lives will lose it. Fifteen to twenty-three. I won't read it all, but you know it's got the the prophets and the trees and all of that. Basically, fake Christianity is is led by dangerous people, dangerous predators. This is part of the problem, but not only. But Jesus says that it's led by dangerous people. They look the same, they seem to same, uh, say the same things, but they're wolves in disguise. They damage things, they devour people, they produce bad fruit. It's not life-giving. It's tickling of the ears. But later the truth comes out. And we're seeing this a lot in the States just now where we're getting worship leaders and even leaders of churches who are, um, oh, the word just escaped me, deconstructing their Christian faith or something like that. But they're doing it in a very public way. Rather than just saying I was wrong and I'm, I'm going to just fade into um, uh, the background, they're actually doing their whole deconstruction in public. And they continue to lead people astray. Who unfortunately were ho holding them up as, as celebrities within the Christian world. And now they're celebrities out with the Christian world. with a great following who are leading people to destruction. That's fake. And fake Christianity believes, but it does not obey. And you see that in verses 26 and 27. And this is in contrast to hearing and obeying. I think it's interesting that Jesus compares the house built in sand with the house built in rock. If you build your life in fake Christianity, you'll not have a solid foundation when the hard times come. When, when the wind is blowing, when your nerves um, are shot, that's when you find out a person's foundations. I've been inspired by many people in this church family who have lost loved ones and, and who continue to just um, worship Jesus, who have lost loved ones and, and lost uh, their health and they continue to love Jesus and trust Jesus. They may not have all the answers, but you can see their character. You can see what their life is based on because they continue to follow the way of Jesus through difficult times. And it leads to prosperous things. I think the most significant witness to the resurrection of Jesus was that his disciples, the apostles, and the many were willing to die cruel deaths rather than deny that they had uh, saw the, the risen Christ. And I'll say that again. I think the most significant witness to the resurrection of Jesus is that ordinary boys and girls, men and women, would rather be hung, drawn and quartered, hung upside down, um, decapitated, stoned, burned, and many of those things at the same time, rather than deny who Jesus was. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Tertullian says in his apologetic, the seed of the martyrs, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. It's the most significant witness, I think, to the resurrection of Jesus. 
The rain fell, the floods came and the wind blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. We can go through all the motions and we do it at times. My son Luca was here earlier on playing bass. I could just tell he spent and he, 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 was looking as, he was just looking done in. So we sent him away. He would have been willing to get through the motions to serve all you guys and serve God. But me and Mike says, nah, go home. And he did. And that's great, but some of us just go through the motions. We're into a life and, and the, the, the real um, heart isn't there. And we need to be careful with that because the stakes couldn't be any higher. Away from me, you evildoers. I did not know you. Our life depends on it. Because that which is offered to us, which is convenient, is fake and leads to death and destruction. And finally, very, very briefly, choose the narrow path or the narrow way. Cheap Christianity seems attractive. It looks like the real thing, but it doesn't cost much. It demands very, very little. It doesn't interfere with our life or those who are influenced us the most. But we're invited to something so much better. Again, back to verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate. How do we choose that? I would encourage us, and we're going to have silence after this, Take a step back and just examine the entire Sermon of the Mount that Jesus preached. Jesus invites us to com a complete new way of living. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers. This is how you're to live your life at various times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and whom the universe was made. God has sent his son and we're to follow, to be everything that he commands. And Jesus taught that during his Sermon on the Mount. He began to talk about people who are blessed. They've got nothing going for them, you know, in the Beatitudes, nothing going for them. But they're truly happy because they've discovered a kingdom that's theirs that can't be taken away. Jesus then tells more about these people. These people have one unusual characteristic that the insides and the outside matches. They aren't just outwardly pure, but they're inwardly pure as well. This allows them to do things like forgive their enemies. This allows them to handle their anger and get it under check and not justify it. This allows them to stay sexually pure in a world of temptation. And when it comes to church, their insides match their outsides as well. They don't just pray in church, they pray in private. They don't just care about impressing anyone except for God because they know that he's the one that truly matters. Jesus goes on, he talks about the way in which they handle money. Um, we all naturally worry about money. Then these people uh, are, are growing into the reality that they can pursue God's kingdom and everything else will be given to them. They can relate to the world in a certain way. They, they don't need to be judgmental. They pray for people in their lives and they believe that God is willing to hear their prayers. They're like a stick of Blackpool rock. When you look at it, it's a Blackpool rock. And when it's snapped, you can see inside it says Blackpool rock. We can work at this outward moral thing and fitting in, but it is not the way of Jesus. 
vulnerability, honesty, perseverance, long-suffering, having a strong vertical relationship with the Father and having a strong horizontal relationship with one another. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbour as you would love, have them love you. The great commandment. So we as a church family, warts and all, by the grace of God, are committed to discipleship. We're committed to what Jesus lays out in the Sermon on the Mount. Have we got it right? No, we don't. If you want to pick holes, you will be able to do that. But we're committed to that as a work in progress, aspirational but not, you know, with real hope that God who has begun something will bring it to completion. And in that I want to stop, leave my notes. Because there is a choice even for us today, whether we have been a believer for, for 70 years or whatever it may be, we've got a choice today And what, what life we're going to live, what path we're going to follow. Some of us have now um, got a have got challenges which we didn't want, bereavement, sickness. We didn't want that, but it is before us. The wind and the wave is bouncing off our house. Where's our foundations? Do we trust in the Lord? And do we remember that he is in control? Do we cast all our anxieties and care on him because he cares for you? Will we submit our ways to the ways of Jesus and not some sort of chimera, not some sort of creation that is easy? It's before us. That choice is before us. Will our yes be yes and our no be no? I invite us to be silent Let's do that. Let's just be silent with everything. Please keep your eyes closed. And I invite you to commit your way to the ways of Jesus. Not the ways of Pitlockery Baptist Church. To the way of Jesus. Commit your way to the way of Jesus. Even though you've got a great hurdle. An enormous giant. Blocking your way. And it would be very easy to skirt around that. Commit your ways to the ways of Jesus no matter what is in front of you. Trusting that he has you in the very hollow of your hand and he delights over you with singing. Commit your ways to the ways of Jesus even if your days are short. Commit your ways to the ways of Jesus, trusting that he knows best, even if you don't understand it all, but trusting that he is 
the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, God's Son. So that you may be welcomed in when he called you to be in his presence with the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Father's rest forever.